welcome to another Diversity Talks podcast. Got a really special guest with me today. Um, but, uh, we're going to have a good chat about diversity, and he's been doing it for over 10 years within the industry or since he's joined the industry. So, um, welcome, Ete Davis. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Fazil. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Good. It's, it's nice and sunny today. So, um, can you let us know what you're up to? Uh, yeah, so at the moment, I'm, I'm the CEO of uh, Engine's uh, creative division. Uh, so, like, Engine Group is a advertising communications uh management or transformation consultancy um based in the uk but we are sort of connected globally uh it's what seven eight months uh, since i've been working at engine um uh joined really like hired by jim moffat who's the group ceo to reform and rebuild the creative uh pillar um because it's been through like a restructure a couple of years ago uh, and turn it into the modern creative agency so uh busy doing that um then also been doing a few um uh continuing a lot of the work in the diversity and inclusion initiatives that i've, I've been working on to increase the representation of you know black asian uh ethnic minority talent uh in our industry particularly at senior levels and at leadership because there's, there's still a lot of work to be done there yeah, massively. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you've done so much and rather than just talk about it, you actually do it, which is amazing. Um, how did you get into the industry? Um, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, I, I was, honestly, I was, I was lucky, you know, I think any, anyone that sort of gets somewhere and tells you that they're sort of self-made, I'm, I'm always skeptical about it because everybody gives everyone a break at some point, do you know what I mean? Or you get a bit of luck or opportunity. And I am, I'd, uh, I mean, I'd always been interested in in, in marketing, in, in business, in like commercials from an, like an early age as, as a kid, you know. Um, and I'd studied, you know, business studies and marketing at, at, at GCSE and at A level. But when I went to uni, I am um, uh, I studied biology. Uh, the main reason for that is, you know, my um, my family's Nigerian, like West African family, and uh, a career in the creative industries and business and marketing isn't really one that you pursue you basically become like doctor scientist engineer yeah. lawyer like one of those uh more traditional professional careers and so i i went down a bit of a the science route got to the end of that and, and realized that the options were like teaching or um lab work i didn't really fancy the lab work and teaching was like another four years uh and so i am um, i switched uh i switched to do like a a, a master's in business studies uh, i've been trying to apply for grad jobs actually at the time um at agencies a lot of the creative agencies that are you know obviously still around now and and the management consultants and i couldn't i couldn't get in you know my my face didn't fit my background wasn't quite right you know um and so when i switched and did the masters in like business studies and, and e-commerce i thought it would help give me a bit more to kind of stand out yeah. uh i did that for you know that that took a year and i still wasn't able to cut the the jobs really and so um moved back to live with my parents was sort of temping you know doing all kinds of jobs like working in factories picking fruit like all that stuff uh and then my mum um who's like you know she's you know one of these people that's like a community pillar like she's an anesthetist right and so she um you know she she has done all those wonderful things that doctors do with people. That means that they form bonds in the community. So been there when someone's baby has been delivered or somebody's recovered from, you know, quite a serious illness or, you know, treated somebody. And so like, she's, she's always getting cards from patients that she's helped in the past or bumping into them and, and so on. And so she, um, 
there was a, a friend of hers uh, who's, um, uh, I think it was a brother-in-law had just set up an agency, um, uh, which was based just outside uh, Folkestone where my parents had moved to. It was like a small, small full service agency and they were looking for juniors to help them out. Um, and, you know, in, in the spirit of uh, people always wanting to help her out because she'd help them, um, they put in a good word for me. Um, you know, I pitched up, got the interview. They, they gave me, took the interview. They gave me a chance of the job. Uh, I'm pretty sure I only got that break because of the, all the goodwill that, you know, my, my mother had built up in the community. But um, I sort of took that opportunity and never really looked back, to be honest with you. Like, I, I enjoyed, it was a great start, actually, being in that small full service agency because there were about eight of us. Yeah. We did a bit of everything, really, from we did some TV, we did some, like, uh, like local TV, we did some, uh, like, local radio print you know point of sale uh like digital was really just beginning then and you know we were myself and another chap steve were really sort of the fledgling digital department because it was our interest and so you had the advent of flash and um you know websites and e-commerce and, and that was really exciting to me as sort of a a new frontier where you could experiment and, and do things and you know being in that small team you were and doing all those things you know one day you were the account manager the other day you're the strategist the other day you're the project manager and so I, it was really great exposure and I I'm I feel very fortunate to have had that as my beginning because it's given me such an expansive route um or understanding really of the industry um which has meant that I've been able to be quite adaptable uh, really and always have a learning mindset which has stayed with me throughout my entire career I mean that's like that's quite fortunate because if you went to one of those bigger agencies at the beginning I mean, it's these agents, everything's set up. So if you go down one path, do you yeah. it's, amazing. Yeah. it's amazing. Cause I was thinking about, I don't know, it'd be good to get your thoughts as well, because back in the, like when I, when I was growing up, we did a lot of, um, we started promoting drum and bass music mm. and we started promoting, um, garage music and we brought it to the masses. We literally started off with like doing 10,000 people raves and stuff like that and just bring it to the masses and every single person we were working with like the djs they were all really creative do you see what i mean it was like they were so creative and even the people putting on the venues and the gigs as well were very creative yeah all from ethnic minority yeah but they weren't a copywriter or they weren't yeah an art director do you see what i mean and it's like if you had those type of people in an agency just yeah. imagine like how much hustle you would get, how much creativity you'd get. I mean, that's it really. It's sort of like, you know, people talk a lot about, um, particularly, you know, with n new media and, and social being what it is and the content creators and so on. People yeah. talk about a lot about like Gen, Gen Z and millennials and their sort of ability to do many different things yeah. uh, and the entrepreneurialism. And uh, the core of a lot of that is what, creative particularly commercial creative agencies need and i think stifle quite a lot you know as you said like people there is a there's this thing of like set career paths and sort of set individuals and kind of archetypes and stereotypes and like restricting people and yeah. restricting um experimentation and curiosity and development and learning is like the antithesis to what fuels creativity do you, do you know what i mean like you creative yeah. you need to happen without without rules without barriers without um conformity do you, do you know what i mean and, but like 
the industry has almost built itself on conform conformist structures. It's 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 so counterintuitive, really. Yeah, it's amazing because that restricts the the ethnic community, the BAME community 100%. coming in. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because everyone's looking for a people are looking for like a set formula, um, yeah. and when you look at it, actually, like the great agencies um that have done great work are the ones where there's never been that formula do, do you know what i mean it, it's yeah. about like different people coming in with different perspectives and finding those leaps and you're not going to get that through a method or a recipe that's like consistent well these are the types of individuals that we'll always hire why because they've been to this type of university they come from this background like you just you're going to get the same set of ideas but more importantly the world is changing obviously yeah. around us and you need to find a way to communicate to all these, you know, the, the different groups in the changing world authentically. And that's not going to happen if everybody's exactly the same in your Yeah, world. 100%. You've worked at two of the best agencies, mm -hmm. I say dig digital agencies, which yeah. I really love and stuff. Like AKQA, did you see that? Yeah, I mean, I am, uh, AKQA, uh, I love my time there at AKQA. I think it was one of the, the like, two things i think in particular that akqa did for me which have been fundamental for my career is um i was given uh opportunity to to move into uh a senior role really quite early so joined um leading the nike global football account um and that was a big step up for me in itself and i thought this is the best job that i'm ever going to have because i'm a football fan and it was nike and you know <laughs> Um, and then within three months, Matt, Matt Lauder, who was my boss there and, you know, I'd, I'd wanted to work for for a long time because um, of his reputation, how, how good he was. Um, he went over to join um, RGA. Uh, and but before he left, he said, like, I'd you know, like you to sort of step into my role. I think you've got the talent and the potential and, you know, hands down the best candidate that they'd uh, he'd interviewed or worked with to sort of you know, fill his shoes. And um that actually did quite a lot for my confidence, you know, in, in, in my own abilities and, you know, what I, I knew I could deliver and the, the support of the leadership team that we had around the account um, to do the job and, and get the recognition. And I think that that sponsorship act where you have somebody in a senior position with privilege actually making space and making room and, and platform and pushing forward people who normally wouldn't get it, that transforms careers. And so, you know, that, you know that I'm I'm grateful for. I think you need you need more of it. The the other thing um, that AKQA did, and, and you know this isn't a reflection on anywhere else I worked, but the the sort of um, combination of excellence and entrepreneurialism that is so embedded in the DNA of AKQA um, that really actually speaks to a lot of uh, my kind of personal view on life and my you know my upbringing with my parents um is the other thing that stayed with me you know it's sort of like you know kind of um always hustling always collaborating always trying to push the boundaries but always making sure that everything that you do is exceptional and that and that you know that that was a great experience at AKQA like it, it, as I said it sort of was a pivotal moment really in my career I think I mean the sponsorship mm. thing is amazing right because and I mean there's so many there are people with obviously paying people within agencies and stuff but that sponsorship i've mm. never seen it talked about too much do you see what i mean you, yeah. and it makes so much difference like where you said matt yeah 
sponsored you and wanted you yeah. to do your role and stuff like that. And I presume we need that every age. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Because we need it every age. Yeah, yeah you, you do. You Because um, the thing about it is, particularly as people are looking to progress to more senior levels or to, you know, like progressing their careers, like so much of it is built on reputation and you know like expertise uh against your reputation you know that thing people say about the personal brand is that like why would people need you in the room yeah. well you actually need people to push that story of your personal brand as much as you create it yourself yeah. um and the senior leadership circles and the circles of influence that exist in our industry become smaller and smaller the further up you go um and so then the you know if you're somebody in the middle tier it's going to be very hard for you to establish a network of seniors whereby they will recognize your work and recognize your expertise and so then you know trust and and give you the opportunity based on that re reputation yeah the people that can accelerate that for you are the people already within those circles who can go actually push the ladder down you know yeah. like um and that is um that 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 is sorely missing and you know it's uh it happens um through systemic bias you know for people that are in the represented majority you know for those that because it's the club right you know it's the people that look like them sound like them have been to yeah. their schools so there's an inherent trust that they'll already have and those networks will already exist because you know many of these people come from the same community they they actually know each other so it's yeah. a mild form of nepotism for those of us that don't and come from communities outside of those networks, somebody's got to break that and and sort of like open up the paths for those people. And that's where, you know, more of that sponsorship from those in positions of influence and decision-making to the brilliant talent that's there, you know, like, you know, this isn't tokenism. This is about making sure that there's equity for people who are actually contributing heavily to your business, you know, um, uh, I think is needed. And I think that would, that's the thing that would be transformative because at that point, you know, you'd get more representation um, uh, and more inclusion and diversity in the senior leadership layers. And then they use influence to start to build more inclusive businesses, you know? I think sponsorship's amazing, isn't it? I think mm. it's used to, I mean, we talk about, obviously everyone talks about, well, we need more diversity and stuff and let's do, um, non-biased training mm. <laughs> but nothing's do you say i mean it's like they do the non-biased training and then everything goes back it just moves yeah. on. I, mean, I, I the, the bias training i am um, I, I have a lot of friends that run the bias training and you know like it it has its place and i think it's important for people to to be aware of their biases um does it lead to long-term change i mean the biases people have are built up from the moment they're bored, right? You're talking about years of like conditioning um, and that is not gonna get transformed in an hour session or in an afternoon or you know a day's workshop, right? You might, for people that are leaning in, you might get them more cognizant and conscious for like a, a period of time, right? For yeah. those that aren't, like if anything, you're more likely to get people go, well, you're making me feel bad about stuff that I can't really control. And um, so I, I think it has to be part of a, a wider program but you know a lot of places see it as a tick box and the answer to stuff and I you know bias training really isn't what you need to do is you need to you know in my point of view is change because uh, 
that that's it's long-term behavior change right and so the only way to do that is to look at the operational and the systemic things that you can change around recruitment and retention and representation that means even after people have had their bias training the system stays on a uh uh, correction course it doesn't just snap back because people forget their training you, you know it's um so i am um, i think it has its place but i don't think it is the what's the word the, the sort of the silver bullet to solving problems and i think it's treated like that a little bit too much sometimes you know yeah okay, did you do a lot of that stuff when you went into um analog folk because you were the md there weren't you yeah and that's um yeah i mean that's that's the thing i think um and we can uh, talk about cultures in a little bit, I guess, but like a, a lot of my, my recent focus in particular on, you know, getting more representation in like leadership roles or, you know, roles of senior influence and particularly roles that are responsible for hiring and developing people. Yeah. Because that's where real change can be affected. You know, as the MD of, uh, AF, I was able to, um, set a vision around, diversity and inclusion and tie that to the rest of our strategic priorities so it stayed on the table it actually became a commercial imperative uh, as well as you know a sort of creative imperative for the business um and you know ultimately make the decisions and critically the investment either of time or money to real change and you need to be in positions of ultimately power or influence to make long-term sustainable change um and that will only happen when you have more people leaning into inclusion but also more representation so it's authentic yeah yeah 100 percent. i was just gonna ask you said earlier because this is a massive thing within the asian and mm. bame community and stuff did your parents still talk to you now that you're not a bite you're not a doctor <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man like so but basically, I am like if they if they listen to this, they'll hate you for saying it. But it's like you know, it's, it, I'm just gonna say it. They um, like up until I think pretty much up until I joined uh, Analog Folk and I was the MD, and there was an article written about me in Campaign Magazine. So I made the paper, and it talked okay. about what I did as a role and the title of MD. I you know I think they were not embarrassed, but they weren't quite sure what I did and weren't quite sure how to describe it. And they wouldn't really tell people about it. And you know, my sister's a lawyer, so they'd much more, they'd, they'd push the other sibling if, you know, people yeah. came out and say, oh, he does something in sales or IT. So I had, man, I had so many people calling me to, you know, fix problems with their emails or their computers and their laptops. And I'm like, I work in technology, but I'm not an IT specialist. Yeah. There's like, you know, people to go to for that. Um, <laughs> you know it wasn't until then like, yeah god it's so true isn't it it's like yeah. my dad said oh he works with computers because mm. that's that's a major problem right because our parents want wanted us to be a lawyer an yeah. accountant yeah um a doctor a pharmacist yeah. do you see what i mean that's what they, yeah. want. they I, mean, I, know, I know where it comes from like it's sort of two definitely within the west african communities there's sort of two things one is um like heritage and tradition around what's considered respectable careers yeah. um and ultimately the, that is all tied back to what is considered sort of like a long-term career by which you can support family do you know what i mean like there's sort of you know security in your future you know, my mom would say the thing of the world will always need doctors um which 
whilst it's true, is a pretty morbid thought. People are always going to be sick. You know, so, um, and I think, um, so I get it, right? And then there's, there's the other thing I think particularly, uh, you know, when you've got uh, parents like mine who are sort of first generation immigrants and, you know, I, I can't, we face a lot of challenges, no doubt now, you know, with regards to discrimination and racism. I can't even begin to conceive what it was like coming to the UK in the 60s, 70s, 80s, trying to build careers um, and facing what they faced, you know, the sort of outright visceral kind of racism and prejudice that they faced. And so having been through all of that, I can see as a parent, you know, being one myself, you sort of look and you go, well, I know how to navigate these challenges. If my child is following the same career path, at least I can protect them and support them. And, you know, there's, when they sort of sort of out doing their own thing in a world I don't understand, and I know that there are still challenges out for them, there must be a little bit of a fear in their life. It's, it's your, you know the instinct to sort of protect your child. So I think it all comes from a good place. Um, I think there's more of a job that needs to be done by those of us that are in, you know, senior positions or within the industry, within our own communities. Do you know what I mean? We need to be ambassadors, you know, to um, uh, to the young ones coming through, particularly to the parents as well, because, you know, young people, they can't really, they don't have financial control over their education, their futures too much later in life. And by often by then, the decisions are made for you, like myself, you know, like the point where you're thinking, I want to go to university, I couldn't pay for myself to go, I'd have to get some money from my parents, and they are going to have an influence in what I choose to study. Yeah. Um, and so we need to be doing more to talk about the career path to sort of say that there are people from our community that are here and we're doing things to drive change and to build our networks and to support each other. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to do more of that. I'd like, you know, I am with all the DNI work, one of the sort of things people ask me what does success look like? And as well as sort of the metrics around numbers and representation, for me, the ultimate success would be the day that like someone's finished their GCSEs and they're, you know, like you're either sitting down with their parents and the parents are going, so what are you planning to do with your future? And they're able to point uh, to this as a career path and the parents are fine with it because we are in national press. Do you know what I mean? We're in, we're in the sort of UK community psyche and, and it's not, it's not met with raised eyebrows or like no child of mine is ever going to do that. Or like, that's not a career path. That that's a success. Do, do you know what I mean? So 100%, especially if they get to work on Nike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Their parents should recognize that. And stuff. So you've set up quite a few organizations, a couple of organizations about fighting diversity and stuff. Do you want to yep. quickly touch upon like we are stripes and stuff and what you Yeah. Yeah. So we are stripes. I set up, um, just towards the end of my time at um, AKQA when I was joining um, Analog Folk. And, and part of the reason I set it up is that, um, you know, uh, AKQA, well, the Nike account in AKQA that I worked in was actually quite um, diverse. You know, there was a real mix of people, um, not just different ethnicities, but like it was fairly, very international. I think it's because we were a global account, right? So you had a lot of people from different parts of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of like, uh, I guess I was sort of a middle point in my career. We had a lot of juniors joining um, and, 
as I said, I sort of moved into that global head of delivery role. So I sort of reached that precipice of like a, a senior head that they suddenly all recognised and realised that there wasn't a lot of us around. And so I had a lot of people speaking to me saying, okay, how do I, how do I, you know, get to where you're going? Or, you know, I've just joined into the industry. Can I get some mentoring? And, and I was doing a lot of that as an individual at AKQA. And then I suddenly thought, actually, we need more networks like this. Because when I started the industry about 17, 18 years ago, there weren't even that many seniors and there weren't, um, there were no networks and there were sort of very few of us. Like when I joined, it was all the, you know, black and Asian and, you know, ethnic minority people I, in the industry were all the people I knew, so to speak. <laughs> um, but there was obviously a lot more by the time that I came into AKQA, but we weren't connected enough. And so when we set up We Are Stripes, you know, myself, you know, my, my brother and a few other people that we'd worked with, it was, it was all about, helping people break in and helping navigate that sort of first steps and first sort of years so it was um it was about mentoring um for people that are just just getting into the industry to make sure when you join you don't see many people that look like you or have your shared experience you have that support network and you have people navigating you through things um it was also about making sure that particularly in like you know the schools and the sort of further education institutes and the colleges where you know, our industry hasn't hadn't built inroads into at the time, knew about the industry and they knew about the career opportunities. And, you know, those young people had that exposure, you know, outside of the Russell groups and, and you know, where the rich, diverse talent was. And so we, you know, that was our focus really sort of changing and, and you know, creating more access opportunities and more awareness, more education support. Um, you know, and, and sort of did that for like, uh, three or four years and you know we're gaining real traction and lots of other initiatives you know are focused on that you know junior recruitment and, and talent acquisition were also being sprung up and uh, diversity was rising more and more diversity and inclusion was rising more and more on the conversation agenda in the industry um and then it was when you know sort of towards the end of my time at uh, analog folk you know as i said like that experience of knowing how much I could affect real change by being the MD and thinking like, you know, we've been pushing so hard with We Are Stripes and I see all these other initiatives pushing and change is still taking a long time, you know, and I didn't expect anything to happen overnight, but it was still glacial. And, you know, you look at the IPA stats and some years the stats were going backwards and you're like, how is this? We're working harder than we ever have been on this and it's going back. And then just the penny dropping of going, because we're not in, there's not enough representation where the big decisions are being made around investment and priorities and, you know, strategy. And that needs to change uh, for diversity and inclusion to be front and center as a long-term strategy. And for, for ultimately the industry and businesses to get that, like, it is good business to be representative. You know, there are countless studies by, McKinsey and Deloitte and Cloverpuff about how, you know, uh, diverse businesses and inclusively businesses perform better in everything, you know, from decision making to finance to whatever else, you know, you see um, uh, like creative problem solving as, as well. And, you know, you see commercials where they are, um, there's a stat that uh, the FE Council released about, you know, commercials that are more representative um, uh, perform better generally as well, you know, so the work is more effective. And with the changing 
communities and demographics, particularly of you know the like emerging consumers in in Gen Z and and beyond, uh, you you know need to be we need to be more representative and and, and like more authentically commu communicating to those communities. And so, Culture Heroes, um, which is the second initiative, was set up to do that. Really, was set up to make sure that we have representation at the senior level so that like the change is long-term and it's sustainable and it sort of stays on the agenda rather than go through the the sort of diversity churn of like everyone drives recruitment at junior levels they don't change their businesses internally they don't think about okay this is something that you consistently work at in the same way that you would look at new business or growth or whatever else like it stays on the table as a strategic priority um and so that that's the mission with with culture heroes really is more representation and leadership uh more inclusive leadership uh you know within like overrepresented sort of white majority groups so that we can have long-term sustainable uh continued change towards uh more representative and more inclusive uh agencies because we we need if we don't have that in our industry I, I think we're dead in the water in a few years time you know i mean the, the, the stat says it all doesn't it yeah. i mean the fe stats you were talking about the yeah. different stats and stuff yeah. can people um so anyone listening in have to yeah pe people are that. i mean it's it's um so we like culture as we set up about a, a year ago uh we know we were gaining some traction it was like the the usual suspects people like leaning in going okay well how can we help how we can do things move things forward like yeah. no no real financial investment or commitment yet um but the last you know of, of course the last three three months with lockdown and then the the global explosion you know after you know the horrific thing that happened to george floyd and the sort of black lives matter movement you know just sort of tapped into a consciousness i think of a lot of people to the lived experience that you know yeah. sort of the ethnic groups were having in in the us but the uk and beyond um like nothing i'd ever seen you know like the uh protests in everywhere from like tokyo to helsinki where mm -hmm you just think that because this that was, yeah and it was amazing it wasn't the first time unfortunately we we'd seen people die in police custody and you know like and it had been you know uh broadcast or you know that these issues had been talked about but this was like a point where it felt like some people just woke up like to it and they suddenly went oh like why is this happening still did you know what i mean and um so that has that has accelerated a lot of stuff with culture and a lot more people are paying attention um, and I think most importantly, and it, I, I guess it would always be the case from the agency point of view, what's really driven that focus and, and suddenly people really committing to things is the brands, you know, a lot of the brands got behind Black Lives Matter. Um, some of them uh, had already been doing lots of things within internally and externally in their organizations. Many some like a lot of people have viewed it as performative because they were called out in terms of how representative your companies what else have you done subsequent to which they've had to uh make real changes either in their recruitment or how they invest in black owned businesses or how they look at their supply chains and everything else the knock-on effect is that suddenly all the agencies that were like okay well we'll do stuff around diversity including because it looks like you know they were being performative and it's like it looks like we're we're in touch with culture and we're doing things to so suddenly going 
clients are putting uh you're asking for your representation stats on uh rfps you know or they're asking for it in agency reviews or they're demanding it in the teams that are doing the work and it's hitting the wallet of agencies and particularly this as i said the senior people of those agencies now it's serious do you know what I mean? <laughs> now they're doing something yeah. there's, a, there's a financial impact to them which is good i mean it's amazing to hear that clients are doing that yeah so yeah because i mean it's we've been talking about it for years so i've taken up so much of your time that's all right um, so thank i mean we can go on for hours <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's amazing tips there. Can we have one last, I know it's quite hard, but one mm. last sort of tip for anyone listening in? Um, yeah, so I am, I guess one one last tip and it's, uh, there's, there. you know, admittedly there is, there's a lot of work to be done, like lots of things are systemic, like sometimes the challenge can feel like uh, intractable and just complex, but there is, you know, we all have ability within our immediate sphere or our worlds to do some positive change for good. Yeah. So whilst there are the key big strategic things that need to be done and they need to be done with you know, mass movement, with, you know, uh, lots of involvement, think about what you can do as an individual accountable to drive change, you know, uh, on in your day-to-day. -day. And that might be, as we said, sponsorship, it might be mentoring, but if we all take one act of, like if we all take a bit of personal individual accountability to change, yeah. uh, to drive change, drive progress towards more inclusion, that in itself will cause, like it's like the dropping the uh, pebble in the pond and watching the ripples form. So yeah, I'd, I'd sort of say like, look at what, what, you, what you can do from an individual basis to, to drive change within your own sphere of influence in your own world and then just commit to doing that and it's you know that might it might be something quite small like giving up some time to mentor somebody is small for you you know it's like an hour or a month or whatever it's transformative for that individual's career which might then go on to you know lead to more transformation 100 percent, yeah definitely thank you so much Eddie. no problem You're very well as i said i think we could go on for hours but thank you so much for your time yeah thank you